Good evening, and welcome to Millionaire Moms Writers Edition. My name is Chelsea Malone, and I created this event and the Moms Manifesting Millions Facebook group because I wanted to provide a transparent conversation about motherhood and entrepreneurship. Personally, I am a real estate investor, uh, web designer, uh, but I'm also a mother of two beautiful girls, uh, Asia and Brooklyn. One's one and one's three, so you know they're the light of my world. Um, and so I was very interested in how the way that mothers, other mothers in different industries mesh the worlds of being a mom and an entrepreneur or hashtag mompreneur, if you will. Now on day to day, it may depend on the person, the situation or the circumstance or how we deal and how we manage. But with black women in particular, moving up when it comes to uh, being the biggest demographic growing in entrepreneurship itself, I think it's very important, almost insanely important, to expound on how we struggle day to day and provide tips to other moms as to how they can ease their struggle. So I chose different women in different industries, and this is the writer's one, and these are women that are dominating in the business for themselves and for their families. And so tonight I have three moms <laughs> who are here from the writer industry and ready to talk about exactly what it takes to mesh those world and navigate the writer industry. I don't really know that much to be honest and you'll know that just how I talk about it, but I'm hoping that you ladies can definitely expound on your experience. I have Rowana uh, Abinsets, is that I'm saying it right? Abinsets? Yep. Abinsets Thompson. Yes, yeah. and Alea Cooks Campbell, as well as Bobby G, here ready to let you guys know exactly how they steer their way to success in the writer industry. Now I'm gonna start with you, Rowana, because um, me and you were interfacing first uh, with Spoken Black Girl. We talked about this before, but go ahead and introduce yourself and let people know exactly who you are and, and what you do in the writer industry. Sure, so my name is Rowana Abinsets Dobson, and to put it very simply, I'm a writer, I've always been, um, someone who wrote articles, short stories, um, novels. I got to publish my novel, so I'm working on that. I might um, talk about that. Um, but I'm just in love with words. So I also publish um, the works of other writers, particularly Black women writers. And um, I published Spoken Black Girl Magazine. Our second issue just came out this summer. And yeah, so I love working with writers, promoting writers, and then also, you know, working on getting my own stuff out there into the world. So I'm open to all writer, editor, publisher questions. Dope, dope. And so uh, how long have you been in the industry? Whew, in the industry. It depends on what you mean by that. My first like real publishing job um, was just right after college. I worked as a literary scout, which is basically someone who um, looks at novels and different stories to see if they, like one job was that, um, to see if it would be able to be published by publishers abroad. Mm -hmm. And then another job was to do, um, to see if they, they would turn the books into movies. Um, and I was also working with like literary agents. So the first few years after college, I had a couple of different, um, writing jobs. Um, but I would say that I really, my writing career really started 
at least for me, like when I started blogging. So I started uh, Spoken Black Girl and it was basically just, not just, but it was a mental health blog. It is a mental health blog um, because I really wanted to talk about the experiences of black women and mental health while also exercising you know, this writing muscle. And from there I started pitching to other publications to get published in other publications. And um, really so much has come from that. Like, you know, now I like teach writing workshops and just work with writers in so many different forms. So um, my career has blossomed since then. Yeah. Dope. Alea, we'll move over to you. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and explain exactly what you do in the writer industry. You're you're a blogger, right? For your, with your yoga. Mm -hmm. I am a blogger. I'm actually probably better known in the parenting space, but yoga is a passion of mine. I'm um, a registered yoga instructor. My bachelor's degree is in psychology, which is kind of how I met Rowana. Um, I came across Spoken Black Girl and I immediately was like, I want to help you put this magazine together. Like I'm, I was so in love with the mental health content that she did. And um, I've been writing my whole life. Um, so that's kind of just always followed me. And as long as, as long as I had internet access, I was just into the idea of online publishing. I remember trying to code my own website on GeoCities when I was really young. Oh yeah. I, like, like wait, I'm like dating myself with that reference. <laughs> <laughs> and I had um I had Corel Word Perfect when I was growing up, but my family didn't actually own a printer. But I was so in love with the way things looked when you type them out that I would spend like all this time painstakingly kind of like writing out my stories and then I would type them up just so I could see what they look like and be like, look, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. So, um, so that's always kind of just been a passion of mine. And, um, I kind of, my career also kind of kicked off when I started writing about parenting. Um, when I was about five years ago, I had my daughter, she was two months old. A friend of mine is kind of big in the parenting sphere. She introduced me to some other mom bloggers and that kind of gave me an audience before I think I always had the platform. Um, and I had the polish, but I learned to how to write professionally and pair that with a lot of content marketing and affiliate marketing. So now um, I'm starting to use that platform to write more about wellness, which is kind of like the big overarching passion of mine. Okay, so you started as a as a blogger, as a parent, and then moved over to the yoga space or... Yes, I started. Um, so those are, if you were to look me up online and I think you'd find most of my stuff is either about like yoga and wellness, well-being, mental health and all that stuff, or it's about like parenting little kids and like, you know, the five best baby carriers for summer baby wearing or something like that. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I'm definitely probably going to be paying more attention then because I need some extra mommy stuff for this one-year-old over here. She <laughs> oh, I, I got you. Uh, but Ma Bobby G. Hey, <laughs> we got a little more light. There you go. Great. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, ask your audience to forgive me for the for the sexy dim lighting I've got going on right now. Damn Completely accidental. <laughs> <laughs> so, same question, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, I've been also writing my whole life. Um, I wrote my first book in third grade and I was always the person, um, writing whatever I tried to, I started my own newspaper, um, in high school, I was writing screenplays, not screenplays. I was writing stage plays, excuse me, 
um, in middle school and kind of what, I guess, late elementary years of middle school for like the ensemble theater, then also for my own and for the church. And I've just, it's just something I was always, always doing. And I just kind of saw it as a good time. I didn't even realize that, oh, this is what I want to do. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And I actually started college pre-med, had my first son, and I'm like, oh, I got to graduate college. And so I just veered off into business marketing, which led me to my first um, professional writing job as a copywriter. And it was, but it was an oil and gas, well, mostly oil and gas, which is not the most exciting thing to do if you're a creative and I'm very much a creative <laughs> and so it's it was actually my senior year of high school backing uh backtracking a little bit where I started my novel and life just kind of happened and so I put it down and I'm you know making sure to put my career first and all of that and then suddenly like 10 years later I'm like hey I get to take myself seriously as a writer I'm a, I'm really good at it I, I'm I think I can make this happen. And so I went ahead and finished my novel um, around, I think, 2016 that was. And I've just, I really haven't looked back since. I've had a lot of other little small gigs, but um, I think it was, time is just passing. I don't know what, what, what is today? Um, <laughs> right. 2020 was, is almost over, girl. Thank God, right? <laughs> it was like, I was, I was bartending just in between, you know, uh, meantime, in between time, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and bid this adieu. You know, I, I, I found a, a stop date for it, and I was like, after this, I'm strictly a writer. And since then, I've been working um, on my screenplays, and I have a series coming up, which I'm sure we'll be able to get into later. But yeah, so now I'm a screenwriter slash producer slash director with a few projects, excuse me, a few projects coming up, um, but I'm really focused on Black mental health. Um, and I kind of take this approach of wanting to expose and identify past trauma so we can talk about it, unpack it, and move past it. Because I think that's one of the bigger issues. It's either we don't know what's going on or we don't want to acknowledge it. And we just try to, you know, we try to mm, just kind of fight our way through everything without having a willingness to, at the very least, self-diagnose. So my stories are really geared to help people help the discussion and contribute to the discussion okay um so your first novel can you expound a little bit on what was it about and and how that kind of went for you um it was such a journey uh because again i started when i was 18 and just i don't know what it is about being a horny teenager because it was erotica right <laughs> And so I'm just writing all, and it was a good story though. And then I got older because, you know, I, I started in high school and sat it down and kind of matured a little bit and my writing and my thinking evolved and it became less about the, the sexual content and to the point where I'm like, ah, I'm not really interested in this anymore. Um, and I kind of trashed everything, started over with the same, with a similar premise and it became more of a psycho thriller. Mm. and a mystery and so the novel uh the name of it is fuego and if that's if we're not counting the story i read in third grade that was that was about jenny hating her family vacation <laughs> no my adult writing um so yeah i the, the name of the book is fuego and it is about a 
restaurateur, mogul, you know, he has like a hotel chain and all of this. He's a very successful man. Um, however, he has a kind of sordid and dark path that he's trying to keep hidden. And a a combination of events kind of surface or they start to to kind of shed light on his past and it's making him very paranoid and he's trying to stifle or put all the skeletons back in the closet before his whole you know her career kind of goes up in flames mm. sounds interesting it does sound, sound interesting <laughs> so it's still a sexy book but it's mostly about the psychosis of it and I have to How? laugh listening to you talk about horny teenagers because I, Man, I was totally <laughs> wrote so much like kinky hobbit porn fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> my my first, I, I was I went from reading like of mice and men, you know, like classic literature as they say, um, to being introduced to Sister Soldier and Zane, and I was like, and Eric Jerome Dickey, and I was like, we can write that. And I just like I just I just went off the rails. <laughs> I was like, oh okay, <laughs> sweat and breast and everything. <laughs> everything is heaving. <laughs> and then you go back and you're almost thirty. And you're like, girl, stop. Don't you know him? I, I remember the day that my mom came across like a copy of the story that I had written about like oh, no. Frodo and Sam and like all this stuff and like it was I mean it was when I say explicit it was explicit oh, my God. and like my mom like it was just such a quintessential like exchange between us because she's holding it and I'm just thinking like I'm screwed and like she looks at me and she goes how do you know about all this stuff? And I look at her and I go, I read a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I used to just sit up all night on fanfiction.net. And like, to me, that was like, if that was the only like webpage on the internet, I would have, I wouldn't have noticed. I would have been the happiest person ever. (laughs) No, it's funny because people really sleep on the power of a vivid imagination because i'm asked that a lot like where do you get this from even you know without the you know the whatever explicit stuff aside just wherever because sometimes you know my my writing can get kind of dark and and uh deep so they're like oh where does all this come from and i'm like it's just having a vivid information i think that's kind of one of the tales of a good writer if you don't necessarily have to experience every facet of what you write about but you kind of take a piece from real life and then you just let your mind just run with it yeah that works that's definitely how how i can i can in myself i definitely see a little bit of an empathy in any situation so i'll see something i'm like oh i feel it like i'm in it like i don't know what they're going through but i feel it exactly like i'm in it um but let's let's go a little bit onto the mom side of it really quickly and then we'll dive back into the deeper deeps um rowana how has being a mom affected your business life or your, your life in the writer industry? Ooh, so I'm a new mom, first time mom. Um, my little one is going to be two in February. Aww. So I'm like really figuring all of this out <laughs> as we speak. Um, let me see. I mean, it's really about balance and maintaining my priorities just in life in general. Um, 
and just giving writing the space, um, the respect that it deserves in my life. Cause I'm like, okay, if I want, um, to make these writing goals, I have to continue making time to work on that. But at the same time, I have this amazing little girl in my life named Simone, who is just like, the cutest like little sassiest little princess ever um and she demands attention okay she <laughs> there's no ignoring her like if she was here right now she's sleeping Ooh, thank goodness but she would be like on the keyboard on my lap just everywhere and i you know, I learned all moms know the little tricks that you like give to your kids to like get them distracted. So for her, she really loves Elmo and Sesame Street. So like if I got to set up, you know, a screen somewhere like look at Elmo, I'm writing, <laughs> look at Elmo. Um, one of those, or, um, I'm really fortunate because, uh, my parents are really present, um, with her and they help me take care of her a lot. So we got the grandparents there and basically just within the family, we just try to switch off, you know, communicate, let everyone know like, Hey, I got to do this right now. I'm busy right now. Um, you know, how can we get Simone, like, to do, like, an activity with someone else right now, you know? Um, so I'm fortunate that I have that network. Um, for me, a lot of times, especially recently, actually not even just recently, but all the times, like, since I'm, you know, I juggle running a business with, I mean, with my writing career, which your writing career is also a business, um, but I, you know, I still have to do customer service type things for Spoken Black Girl and marketing and things that are also writing like content marketing and, um, things like that. But, you know, I consider it kind of the boring side of writing. <laughs> I like writing like my stories and stuff like that. And I find myself doing that more at night because for me, it's really hard to, um, like multitask, you got a little one, like screaming, yelling, breaking your stuff, like, you know, just mayhem happening. And like, for me to be creative while that's happening is very hard. Um, I can write like a quick, like Instagram post or something or like, you know, just very literal sentences about things, but not, you know, I don't get into the zone, the writer's zone. Um, I need like some peace, some mommy time for that. So I usually do that in the evening. Okay. That's good. So how, other than uh, Elmo, how do you get your mommy time? You had your family to support you and you have Elmo, but are there any other things that you, you use to get mommy time? Um, no, sleep. That's like when she's asleep, like <laughs> there is no, like, I know y'all all know, like motherhood's 24 seven, like, and even no matter what's going on, I could have, she could be in another part of the house. Like, you know, like my husband 
now, of course, with the pandemic, works from home. But um, whoever is watching her, she could still, like, now she runs everywhere because she's not a baby baby anymore. Okay. So she could still, she busts in on my meetings. She busts in on my phone calls. She's like, ah, I'm here. <laughs> so there's very little you can do about that. Really, like, when she's sleeping, okay, nap time in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Aleo, uh, what about you? How has being a mom affected <laughs> you in the writing industry in your business? Like, uh -oh. uh, I know. I'm like, I don't want to answer this question. Um, this is the one I've been dreading since you guys announced the panel. Cause I'm like, yeah, my life is a mess. <laughs> like, <laughs> my kids are, so I'll be honest, like, um, in some ways I owe a big part of my writing career to my daughter because that's what kind of got me connected to all these, like, I mean, the mommy blogger kind of industry is huge right now. And that's kind of what gave me the, the foundational skills to like, okay, here's how I publish a blog. Here's how I get it in front of people. And then started doing that for other people too, because a big part of the business that I run is content marketing for other small businesses. Mm. Um, that being said, like going from one to two kids was not an easy transition for me at all. Like um, my daughter is five. My son is 14 months old. I remember when my husband left on the first couple of photo shoots after my son was born, I was literally like, he left me with my children. Like, how dare he? Like, I was like, what kind of monster would do that? <laughs> like a new mom, why would you leave me with two kids? I was so not equipped to handle it. And so even now I feel like I'm still struggling a little bit with that transition because every age you get to is a new learning experience. And I thought I was really smart. Cause I was like, okay, I'm going to space out my pregnancies. So they're four years apart. That means one of them will be in school and I can be home with the baby. <laughs> and then nobody told me they could cancel school. So like now I'm, you know, I'm stuck with both kids at home. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened here? So I, um, I, it's, I don't even remember the question anymore. It's a mess. I don't get anything done. And I've had to be so creative because I'm very, very type A, very much a perfectionist, very much like I, I actually don't have any um, study skills from being in school. Like I was one of those kids that like, you know, could, you know, pay attention in class and then ace the test, like rarely did their homework or would take notes and then never look at the notes. And as a parent, because so much of that flow that you depend on is interrupted, like Rowana was saying, we never get into that, like, creative state when the kids are around I've had to completely rework my whole process so now like whereas I used to be able to sit down and write an article and I could bang it out in 45 minutes and it would be clean and wonderful and my editors would be like oh my god you're the best writer in the world now it's more like I'm babied up I'm doing the dishes, like I'm, you know, something's burning and I have an app on my phone that I'll, I'll spit out something into the app because I can't count on being able to look at a blank screen and just figure it out anymore. Um, a lot of times by the time the kids go down and I have that time, I'm so exhausted that mm. I'm just done. And so the, the biggest thing that's changed in my process is really making sure I'm never starting from scratch there's always these like, you know, ideas that kind of float in and out of your head. And I have to make sure that I'm like, 
looking out for them. So I'll be thinking about an article and that's, I think the, the biggest change in the process too, is I do a lot more like thinking and marinating and planning for when I do have that structured writing time, because say I'm working on, you know, an, an article for like, I just did one for well and good on essential oils. And, um, and I'm like, okay, I know what I want to say. I'm starting to outline it before that used to be good enough. And when I had, um, I, I like to say when I have more sentences than thoughts, I just sit down and start writing. But what happens now is I go, okay, that sounds really good. Get the app and say it really quick because you can't count on mom brain to bring it back when you want it <laughs> or get, I have a, um, a Google doc in my phone and, and I have it specifically in my phone so I can access it from any device that I happen to be on. And I go, okay, like these are the posts that are in progress. I just found an article that I want to link to in that article. Let me, let me put it there. Or I just had this really good thought, or I just figured out which five points I want to make. Let me jot them down really, really quick. And then that way, whenever I go back to it and I have a laptop, a desktop, an iPad and an iPhone, and I literally like, so that from anywhere I am, I can just grab it and start typing because I never know when I'm going to be in front of the right device. And you know, when you have small gifts, you can get stuck underneath a sleeping baby for two hours mm. and that that's it. There's, there's your day. So, so it's, it's really important for me, like, especially with as much as I struggle with like, you know, I'd love to just be able to sit down and write and feel like myself. But in order to balance that with what actually needs to get done, I've had to get really creative about how I structure that writing time. Right. Uh, um, and sometimes it's, it's unstructured, but it gets done. <laughs> right, right. So that's kind of one of the reasons uh, I, I did do the start of the man moms manifesting millions calls because I, I'm a new mother of two as well. And that one-year-old, oh, she had me so tired. By the time it was time to go to bed, or if she went to bed, if she, like, now she's on a kind of okay schedule. Like, she'll go down, most, both of my kids are down at nine latest, usually. But before that, uh, it was whatever she wanted to do, whatever she wanted to do, cry, whatever the case. And I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to get anything? Because sometimes home? they just don't go to bed. They just uh, don't. As soon as you move, they'll be asleep. But as soon as you move, oh, you up? <laughs> I'm up. <laughs> like, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, I couldn't do anything. And I'm just like, oh my God, I need to figure out something. And I'm like, I know I'm not the only one dealing with this. How do you, after you're exhausted, you come home from work or you come home and, and you put the babies down and you're exhausted, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what do you do next other than lay in your bed? Because <laughs> uh, I was skipping a lot of nights. Um, but for me, I definitely learn to burn the midnight oil, put on that coffee pot early because I know I'm going to need it. And, you know, since they're down at nine, now that they got a good routine and in the bed by nine o'clock, I'm just like, at the night, I'm working till a certain time and it's time for me to go to bed too. So, uh, Bobby G. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited about this one. Tell us uh, how being a mom has affected your, your business in writing. Well, I see that I'm the fast one in the group because <laughs> I became a mom at 19. And so I've kind of gotten used to, or not even kind of, I'm very much accustomed to kids kind of uh, uh, interjecting themselves into my space. Uh, um, so for me, what I had to learn to do was to first and foremost, take myself seriously. 
and then insist that other people take my career seriously because what I was finding that if I you know as I'm on a regular nine to five or whatever and I say hey I need a babysitter that's fine right or if I have whatever whatever my w-2 shift is and I need a babysitter I need assistance or whatever that's fine to go right people are like for what no you got this <laughs> what do you need what do you need uh, uh so like why do you need a babysitter like because I think people think because you're at home then that just means like you're about to pop open a bottle of champagne and whatever or a, a bottle of wine and kick your feet up I'm like no I have a computer here swear out it's my workspace and so I had to really and at first you know that used to get to me like oh I guess I'm really not doing anything I guess this doesn't count I could I can just you know that's fine I'll just I'll just put this show on or or you know let me maybe if I give him like a sugar high he'll crash real fast and then, <laughs> and then I can do some okay. things or whatever but I was like no I'm letting people stress me out I'm not doing what I really want to do what I believe in what I'm good at and I'm kind of letting others dictate who I am and how I should be doing this. And so I stopped giving people that space. I'm like, hey, so this is the job that I'm doing. Don't worry about it if, I'm, if it pays me today or for whatever, but I'm like, this is what I need assistance in. And so it was demand, it was making, it was insisting that I take the time to, to write. Um, Cause I don't think there was anything that I was doing that I was more passionate about. And so I'm like, if, this is really important to me. I have to treat it like it's important to me. The next thing for me, especially when I was, when I decided to only write as my career, like no, no side gigs, no, no nothing else. Um, I, or I should say there's no job I needed to clock into anymore. When I'm dependent strictly on my own business, I had to learn to set my schedule as if I was clocking in because at a point I was a little bit too loosey goosey with it and waking up at whatever time like oh you know just enjoying not being on someone else's schedule but then i'm like oh i'm not getting anything done and so putting treating everything i'm sorry not treating everything treating this like a real job because it is a real job <laughs> it's work um um you know i may report things to the irs again <laughs> but it is a job and then and then also under whatever, I guess it's kind of, you have to learn to give yourself a break and motherhood is just as important and I don't have to let the two compete with one another. And so I will, I set aside time for both and I learned to be very flexible and fluid. And so it, it doesn't necessarily mean every Saturday is family time or every Sunday is a Sunday fun day. Sometimes Sunday is going to mean I'm work. Sometimes I'm working or sometimes Sunday through Tuesday, this is what I'm doing. And this, and I let it be known. This is, this is how that's going down. Like, don't step into my office. Don't ask me questions. I do not, I cannot play Barbies and I cannot, because I have, I'm, I've grown from, you know, 19 year old parent to mom, wife of five. And so <laughs> I've learned to, to be like, hey, no, you guys keep each other entertained for your own cereal. Ask your big brother this, because I also know once I put on my mom hat, I hella put on that mom hat. And so at one point, I think everyone was allowed to guilt me into not being available 24-7 to do everything to the point where I wasn't writing anymore. Mm. And then I finally figured out how to say like, hey, I just did cute to uh, Six Flags or we just went to the pool or da 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 I don't have to figure out how to make sure I'm momming it 
you know, hardcore every hour of the day. Like, so yeah, today we're having chicken nuggies, okay? That's what's <laughs> happening today. I'm not making a roasted duck or whatever the heck. <laughs> I need to be tonight. It's pizza night. And I may not even go all out. It may just be DiGiorno. I don't know. Let's see how I feel. <laughs> What's easy for me, because what I put on my mom at, I that is where my focus goes entirely to my children. So I think it's about learning that as you're a mom and you're a career woman, you're all these things, but you're also a woman. Right. And you have to be um, just reasonable with yourself. And so I'm allowed to want to, I don't, I'm allowed to want time to myself mm -hmm. and I'm allowed to want time with just my husband. I'm allowed to want time with, you know, to focus on my career and that does not take away from how, how deeply I love my children. I think we kind of get, um, kind of coerced into this idea or like programmed to this idea that if it's not all about your children all the time, then you're doing the wrong thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, oh, your, you know, your child is calling you, would you adore your child? Like, yeah, I'm going to kind of ignore the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the little one that just ate saying that he's hungry again. Yeah, I'm going to kind of, I'm pretty sure he's not hungry. I'm pretty sure he's going to throw up right after this if I fed him <laughs> anything else. So <laughs> I'm just going to be doing this right now. And I already said this in advance. Let me be. That works. That works. You definitely have to set those boundaries because. Right. Oh, people will just take not and not just people. You know, kids are trying to take it. They don't mean it. <laughs> they just they just go, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I know when I when I do this, she looks at me. And I know when I do this, she'll come running. You know, and sometimes we have to let that be background noise if we're going to get anything done. Exactly. Um, and so my next question, Bobby G, since you were already talking, um, what is the way that you have gone about setting your goals that you found out you find works for you best? So I do, let me get a little meta real quick. So I believe time is kind of relative, right? Because I used to do the whole thing, like in three months, I want to accomplish this and da 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 I, I just set out the bigger picture, mm. right? And so not necessarily in a time frame, but I guess somewhat of a time frame in mind, but I don't go too hard in the paint on like in a year or in a week, you know, this is going to happen because life comes at you hard and fast. And so that's another way I relieve myself of the pressure um, because, you know, whatever may come up and now I'm like, oh crap, I'm two weeks behind schedule or whatever. So I kind of put a big picture goal and then I start, then I list the things that I need to do to get there. And those are my, you know, more, they become that, that long-term goal becomes more of a short-term goal, right? As I'm breaking it down. And then I start checking things off the list. And so for me, you know, having, I want to submit my first film to um, the, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but it's a black film festival. And that is not the name of it. <laughs> it's going to hit me at 3 a.m. What the official name is. I want to say it's the, because no, it's the Black American Film Festival. Yes. And so I want to, um, I want to have my short film ready for that. And so I have that on my board, which, um, I know this is said a lot, but really writing things out is so important. Don't just let them be ideas floating around in your head. Mm -hmm. I have my vision board. I have my 
my dry erase board, everything's written out. I have it in my notebooks. I have it in like, as, I don't know about the the other ladies. I feel like I'm not alone in this because it seems to be a writer thing. I have like 20,000 notebooks going at once. Um, and so all of those things will have pages of my goals in it or whatever, but I try to keep it. <laughs> I, you know, plus post-it notes, I keep what I want in front of me because it's, I think especially as a mother, especially as um, a wife or even a committed girlfriend or whatever, it's easy to get like lost in the sauce. It's easy to have all of these other things going on that you kind of, I think we naturally just put everything, put everything that we want aside. Um, it kind of, it goes, goes to the background. Um, cause we're like, Oh, you know, I have to help little one with this project or my husband needs support in this and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden months have passed. So you're like, Oh yeah, I'm, I said, I wanted to finish this thing that I, that's collecting dust in the corner. And so keeping things in front of me all the time by writing it down, setting reminders and all of that, um, that's that really helped me tackle my goals. Cause at one point things were just floating in the ether and I wasn't getting anything done. Mm -hmm. And so putting, you know, posting that up. And like I said, having the long term and then broken down into the short term until, and then making sure I'm diligent um, and holding myself accountable. I'll tell people what I want to do so they can hold me accountable because for the longest people are like, Hey, where's your book? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's coming, not for real. But you get asked that enough times and you're like, let me go ahead and sit down and finish yeah, this book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like I'm full of it. And I can't, I, I can't sit, have that sitting on my spirit anymore. And so, but yeah, did I answer the question? Yes. You <laughs> okay. That was a great answer to the question. 100%. Um, I definitely do. I, I get the checkpoint ones for me, the more setting reminders kind of works for me. Like on my phone, it has to ding me, bug me consistently. And I've gotten out of the habit of hitting dismiss because I'll hit dismiss real quick and it'll be gone. Why well, is it even a button? I'm not hitting dismiss. I'm not going to hit it. I'm just going to snooze. snooze a little bit. <laughs> So, Alea, what about you? What's a, what's, what has worked for you when it comes to setting goals? Um, I have to rely on other people. I'm, um, there's, in very long story short, there's um, a, like a way of looking at how you deal with accountability, like internal and external accountability. And I realize that I'm an obliger. Like some people like, are really good at setting determinations for themselves and upholding them for themselves. I'm not one of those people. Like I, you know, I really thrive on external accountability. And so I've had to get good at putting systems in my in place for myself that look like that. And I think actually most people are like that, that we can do something like if we're in on a high school track team, we'll go running every day. But then when we're like, I'm going to go running every day, like it's just never going to happen, even though it's the same behavior but we don't have that team to be accountable to anymore. So I like, I am a coaching junkie. Um, I'm also a therapy junkie. I'm also like, you know, I feel like there's 168 hours in a week. You deserve at least a couple of them to talk about yourself. And because like as moms, we really do put so much of our focus on other people as business owners. You know, I think a lot of people get the wrong idea about being a business owner. You think that like, oh, I work for myself. So all my time is my own. And sometimes it feels like you have 20 bosses and they're called your clients. 
you know, and so you're constantly answering to other people. And so it's easy for what you need and what you want to kind of get lost in the shuffle. And so I think it's important to have one of those overarching goals um, that you can kind of use as a North star. Like this is, is, is everything that I'm doing is all the choices I'm making in line with that goal. But for me, it's also been really important to have people around me who see me and see what I'm committed to so that they can tell me when I'm not on track, because I will get way off track, like in a heartbeat, like, like somebody will call me up and be like, girl, I got this great job delivering pizzas. And I'll be like, bet, I love pizza. And they'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, but I need the money though. And they're like, no, like, you know, stay on track. So, like, just focus, just do your thing. Or I'll say something. And this has always been my favorite. I'll start talking about something and someone will go, do you see how you light up when you talk about that? And I'm like, no, I, I don't see that. I, I just know, like they can see all of a sudden the energy is different. Like my enthusiasm is different. My excitement is different. And that's always been what people have said, you know, that's the direction you need to go in. You need to follow that energy. So I have like these wonderful women that I work with in different aspects. Like I have a a coach that I talk to specifically because she knows like everyone there is to know in the blogging industry. And if I want to be connected to a specific brand or like a specific publication, she's the one to talk to. And she's got such great ideas on like, I'm like, Oh, I kind of like this. And she's like, Oh girl, you need to do this, this, and this matter of fact, look at this website. Cause this website yeah. has this and that, and it gets me excited and it gets the wheels turning. Mm -hmm. um, I have another coach that I work with who literally we talk every week and it's like, here's the client work that I have on my plate and here's how I'm structuring getting that done. And I will call you when, as soon as I'm done with these projects. And if I'm not done with these projects, her job is just to kick me in the butt and keep me rolling forward. And as, especially as a mom, that's been really important to me because I think people do have the tendency to think you're freelancing. I've, I've had to check people a couple of times when they're like, well, you know, you should be with your kids. And that, I'm like, if my, if my husband was doing the same thing, like, He's a freelancer too, but I don't hear half the comments coming at him about, oh, well, what about your kids? Like every mm. time I post a picture of us at an event or like on a date or, um, or on vacation, if I post it, the first question I get is where's the baby? Mm -hmm. But if he posts it, oh, you guys look great. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> so like, it's really like, for me, I've had to go in on like being clear. Cause I've, I'm actually the breadwinner and I've, I've just historically been the breadwinner in our household. Like it's not cause he doesn't work. I've just always made more. So, you know, I've had to really tell people like, listen, like this is the time I need because this is how I pay the bills. And this is how I'm serving my kids. Like I have, in addition to my five-year-old daughter, I have two older daughters and um, that are 16 and 17, two stepdaughters. And I'm like, I, I need them to see that being a successful mom and wife and everything, just it doesn't mean that you give up everything that makes you you and everything that you want for yourself. I will not have them leaving my house thinking that I was successful because I never did anything for myself or I never took up space. Right. And that's, that's part of, that's another reason I'm in business too, because I have two little girls and I'm like, they're looking at me. And they're going to do what I do, <laughs> no matter what I tell them. So I want to do my best and be my best in whatever I take on. So it's like, 
ain't, ain't no, ain't no, you know, when you got little mirrors, you kind of have to do what you have to do to, to be your best. And if that, you know, it's showing transparency and showing them, you know, it's, it's hard, but I got it. You know, it's this, you might be a little hurt, but I got it. You know, like showing them everything that goes with that, especially with being a woman because being a woman ain't easy, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, just definitely being that role model for them. So, Rwanda, what about you? What's, what's worked for you when it comes to setting goals in your business? For me, I set goals all the time. It's whether or not the goals are realistic <laughs> that I struggle with because I will be like, all right, I'm going to get this done like in three months. And it's really, when you look at the task, it's really not something that can be done in that amount of time, but I expect myself to be like superwoman. <laughs> um, but I've always been, I think I'm pretty self-motivated most of the time. Um, but I, just like Alea was saying, I also, I have like a circle of friends around me, particularly entrepreneurs, particu particularly writers and creative types who um, see my talent and keep pushing me forward. Um, for me, I'm a mental health advocate. So, um, you know, I have and do struggle with um, anxiety and depression at different times. So um, for me, most of the time, if I'm not um, really kind of being productive in the way that I want to be, it's usually me getting in the way of myself. Um, so, you know... I go to therapy, I take care of, try to take care of my wellness as much as possible. I'm also a really big um, wellness enthusiast because I just realized that, you know, taking care of almost every aspect of your health or every aspect of your health kind of contributes to you having the best mental health. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm one of those people I'm very like, a little bit hard on myself um but I'll like set a goal and then I'll be like you gotta do it you gotta do it mm -hmm. and just almost if I don't get it done like instantly I'll be like oh I'm a failure like what am I doing with my life like but some things are so big that it's gonna take a while you know um I think especially in this day and age we kind of like look on the internet and it seems like people do things instantly or like so quickly and so easily mm -hmm. but I don't think that's really like very honest but that's the internet for you but there's a lot of work say if you want to publish a book if you want to get your um screenplay uh produced if you want to do any of that stuff it takes a lot of work people post the highlights right post the achievement when it's done and they're like oh look um and <laughs> um but there's a lot of work and for me I've found that it's, it's inner work. It's work on myself. Um, and when I'm taking care of myself and being a little bit more compassionate with myself, um, you know, not beating myself up for not reaching these really specific goals at really specific times, um, then I will get stuff done. Um, I'm amazed 
let's see, like so far I've published um, a, a mental health journal, um, like a guided journal with affirmations and things like that. Um, and then two magazines and people are always like, like, how did you even, like, how do you get from point A to point B or point to Z? And I'm not really sure. It's just like continuing <laughs> to believe. In, it's. I'm serious. I really don't know. It's just continuing to believe in yourself and not quitting on yourself in the middle of the process or like not quitting on yourself when it seems like you didn't meet up to whatever expectation you had in your head first of all it's usually that's why i said it's always like me against me like sometimes we're worried about what other people are thinking about what we're doing and really most people are just thinking about themselves and how they can you know make men ends meet for them at the end of the day they're not really thinking about you so when you are working on your goals and something gets messed up or, you know, you have to take a detour or you have to stop or you messed up um, or you don't like how things are at that moment, you're telling yourself, oh, well, okay, obviously that's done with, like, I got to just stop now. And really that's just coming from you, you know? I'm, I'm saying you, but I'm talking about me, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like other creative types and writers can relate because we stop ourselves mentally in so many ways mm. um and really it's just pushing past that and it's pushing past fear it's pushing past what other people what you think other people are thinking mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day it's about you like you know, I don't care if like no one reads my book. I mean, that would be very tragic. And <laughs> I have done almost everything to like set myself up so that when I publish my book, that it has some degree of success, but it's really going to be about me, like not regretting just sitting on something. Cause if I'm, if you know, whenever my time comes to leave this earth and like, I haven't published a book. Oh, I'm gonna be pissed. Okay. Just looking at yourself like, what did you do? <laughs> like, that's one. I just need to make peace with myself. And if you would like to be witness to this, <laughs> then great. I could just imagine Rowana. Put me back in, coach. Yay, back like, in. Like, no, I'm not done. A little more time. <laughs> <laughs> if I can I piggyback real quick on something Rowana said, because I am in full agreement. And it's not only um, are people not like thinking about you in that way, like, oh, she's messing up and she's taking too long. Mm -hmm. If they are thinking about you at all, it's probably positive. And they might not, they may not necessarily relay that information to you, but you'll come to find out people are wondering how you're doing what you're doing. Like, how do you, they think you make this, uh, this thing look easy or effortless. They're like, they see they're like, how is she balancing being a wife and being a mother or having a job? She has like four jobs and da, 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 da. like, that's what they think. And it's ourselves who, you know, we, we possess that negative energy because we, right. you know, what, you know, we're striving to be somewhere. And so we're not exactly where you want to be career wise or anything else. Or even as a mother, you're like, Oh, I thought, my one-year-old will be reading by now because other people's like, you know, whatever it is. 
Like, oh, they're not potty trained yet, or they're not cooking five-course meals. I just watched MasterChef Junior. What the hell? Like, you watch, you watch all these things, you're like, I'm not doing enough. And then, and then you're like, everybody sees it. Everybody sees <laughs> that I'm not doing enough. And I got to, like, run away from that, or I got to do even more so they won't, or I at least got to do a good cover-up. And while you're over here scrambling, people are like, wow. She really like has a whole blog, or she's really like writing a book. I can't write a book, and so you really got to cut yourself some slack and really, really push yourself to get out of your own head. And I think that was just such a a beautiful, wonderful note that Rwanda uh, brought up. I one hundred percent agree with that because when I was studying NLP, and I, I was started studying NLP because I wanted to start networking, and I was kind of a shy kid, so I was like trying to study something to where I could kind of shift the way I moved in networking. And one of the things they told me in NLP was that you have these awkward moments or you might say something that's awkward, but you are making it amplified. They go, oh, okay, whatever. Like, she's just silly. But in your head, you're just like, for like six months down the road, I can't believe I said that. Like, she's doing that. I can't. Like, they're not worried about that one little thing. And it's just like, so mm-hmm. I, I, anytime I have those moments where I'm like, it's a hiccup or it's an issue, I minimize them in my head. They teach you how to visualize different moments and determine, you know, take the color out of them, take the feeling out of them, and just make it smaller in your head so it's not so amplified. It's just like, girl, ain't nobody even worried about you. You think you're the center of, center of your universe, not they. Um, and so that's definitely given me like anytime I feel like oh what did I just do I'm just like okay they not they ain't saying that I'm not either we're gonna keep moving (laughs) something to that yeah um one really great piece of writing advice that I once heard is that you have to take the ego out of your writing Mm -hmm. you have to take the ego out of because your story like strangely enough it's probably it's for you but it's not even really for you you're just the vessel that is carrying that story you're just the vessel that is bringing that story to life and it's for someone else to read it and like have that moment of illumination so while you're you're here stopping your story or stopping your whatever from coming into the world and that is really someone else's blessing Mm -hmm. so we gotta stop Stop stopping with it. Blessing. Just hearing you talk about bringing things into the world, and I thought about this before too when you were talking about like I don't really know how I get all this stuff done. I hear moms say that so much, and that's kind of like the 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 mystical part of that, so to speak, is like I I think the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and like becoming a mom was just such a transformative experience for me because. I I was also very like awkward, like I said, very type A, very perfectionist. And my whole standard for what mattered changed after my daughter was born, because it was literally like, if this girl is breathing, nothing is that bad. Like everything is okay. As long as my daughter is okay, you know? And like, I, I think about how afraid I was to get to, to actually go into labor and give birth because I like, I was like, I've looked down there and I don't think this baby's getting out the way. And I remember asking my midwife about it and she was like, yeah, you know, she's like, it's just going to be a portal to another dimension. And then it's going to turn back into a vagina real quick. Like that was literally what she and said. It does. And, and it I'm, does. <laughs> 
it really does. Like there's no real explaining. Like even, I don't care how many anatomy biology classes you take, you can explain what happens, but you still can't really explain what happens. And that's basically a metaphor for motherhood. Like you don't know, like looking back, if you ask your own parents, they have no idea how they raised you. You have no idea how you got raised. I don't know that looking at the beginning of this year when the quarantine first started, I was, you know, I was working full time. I, I was starting my business, you know, running my freelance career and everything. I was um, I, a mom to two. My son was only six months old, I think, when we went into quarantine. And I was uh, taking four classes of finishing my bachelor's degree and doing um, research. I was doing undergraduate uh, research fellowship in the psych lab at, the, at a school in the city. So I have no idea how I was doing all that because like at this point, I can't even manage to like make three meals in a day. Like, like if we have like breakfast and lunch or dinner, we're doing great. Like, you know, and I'm like, I can't figure out, you, you have no idea how you get through it. But they just mailed me my bachelor's degree. So like, I apparently I did, I did it, but I don't know. Thank you. Right, like humble brag. Um, but like, you know, all of that is really the experience. And that's kind of what I was afraid to say coming into this call is like, I want to give everybody who's listening some sort of like, you know, concrete, like this is how you get through it. But the thing is like, however you get through it is how you got through it. And it's all good at the end of the day. And like, give yourself, I am still working every day to give myself that grace and that space to just be like, you're dealing with a lot. Life is crazy. Nothing is normal, you know? Right. And even if like you honestly, the best thing about like, the best thing honestly about like writing is the editing. Like I, it is so much easier in everything in life to edit than it is to create. So if you're creating and it's not perfect, that's okay. You can always go back and, and do better. I have, I have a client right now that's probably calling me all kinds of itches. And I hope she's not on Facebook watching this because she's going to be like, mm-hmm, but where's my website? <laughs> you're like, oh, you got time to be online, but you don't have time to be doing it. Like, it's, like, it's doing I'm monitors. It's doing monitors. I'm doing both. <laughs> But I'm like, I, I think the best part about that is every client is a brand new client. Like I am apologizing for something every day, but at some point you look up and your kids are five years old and they can play by themselves for a couple hours and then you can get things done or you can, you can leave them with the babysitter overnight. And like, I, like I take them to my grand, my mother-in-law's house all the time. And like, that is a blessing. And I remember when it didn't feel like I could ever do that. So like these days they will go so fast. And if you just keep, if you can like just take half a step forward mm -hmm. at the end of, you know, a year, that's a lot of steps. It, is, yeah. <laughs> like, it adds up. Definitely. It adds up. Okay. Let's get into a little bit of deeper, a little, um, We'll go start with you, Alea, since you're already in there. Um, what is your the your most uh, what is the favorite your favorite project that you worked on, and then what projects are you working on right now? Oh, okay, my favorite project. All right, I, I think I think it's tied for two. Um, I have a client that I I did her first ebook 
which she was really, really excited about. She was um, going to speak at an event. I helped her. Like, so I do a lot of different kinds of writing. Um, I write her blog and then I helped her write pitches to be accepted as a speaker for, um, for this huge conference for her industry. So like going up to that, we got all excited. We were like, okay, like you're speaking at this thing. We have to have a thing like for you to give out. So we wrote an ebook together, um, which was really, really exciting because like to see her, to like be able to help her realize that dream of being a published author and like, you know, for her, it's like a, like an ebook, but that's one of my, just my favorite things about the internet right now is that, that every, everybody can have a form and a voice and like, and they can kind of fall in love with words all over again in a different way. Um, and then my other favorite thing is one of our clients who we, we do his blogging and like content marketing. We got him on the front page of Google, y'all. Like he's the top organic search result. And I was very excited about that. Now, like it, it was, it was so big now for like, I, I think a lot of people, you know, get into the, the writing and this is kind of the hard thing is that they, they're just like, well, it's just some words out there, right? Like just put the words out there, but like the right words is a win, win, win situation because it's like, it feels good to, to create it. And it feels good for that person that, that runs that business to feel like they're being understood in the world. And then when, you know, when Google rewards you and you go up the search rankings and all that stuff, it's because you're providing something of value. So there's somebody on the other end of that computer who's doing the search and like looking for it. So I just kind of love seeing that whole feedback yeah. happen. That was kind of really exciting. So. Um, and as far as uh, what I'm working on right now, I am trying to do more fiction writing. Um, I'm also, uh, rebranding my blogs. I, I write on my own, uh, blogs, baby droppings, which is all about parenting and, uh, yoga with Balea, um, which is obviously like yoga and mindfulness and stuff. And I just released a little ebook on meditation and mindfulness techniques. Um, but I'm branding all of that into a new platform, um, meditation for mama. Um, and just talking about like family wellness techniques and just kind of how to navigate like all the insanity with just practical everyday, like your baby fell asleep on you for two hours. Here's a great time to meditate. Or sleep. Or sleep. Listen, like she never comes first. if they're not going to let you get up anyway, you might as well go to sleep. <laughs> That's dope. Um, wow. Congratulations, Alea. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Congratulations on Google, too. That's really... That's, yeah, that's all really big. That's dope. <laughs> that's what... I know, that was... Bobby G, what about you? Your favorite project, and what are you working on now? So, my favorite project is what I'm working on now, and it is an anthology series, a scripted anthology series called I Am Not Okay. Um, it is, uh, it will be delivered, uh, via a podcast, um, and maybe grow. I'm, I'm considering because of the, how it's formatted right now is purposeful. Um, but I'm considering having a visual component to it. Um, but what it is, it's, um, it's these like recorded sessions where people are expressing whatever has happened in their life that explains why they're not okay. And some of these uh, speakers are, these. They're, again, it's scripted, so it's actresses, but some of these accounts are, you know, they're just realizing that they're not okay or they think there's nothing wrong, which obviously 
in their in their story and their anecdote and how they're expressing it something's wrong and some people are are very some characters are very self-actualized and they understand that hey this happened to me and i'm dealing with it and i'm having a hard time um but i started the script well having dealt with or lived through my own depression and still i don't want to say battling anxiety i I still, it's something I have to live through. I have these very anxious moments and I go through panic attacks and all of that. But living through that or with it and understanding the the significance um, or the gravity of really having yourself together up here and how that affects everything on the outside world, everything external, I'm like, okay, I really got to get people to focus more on their own mental health. And I focus on black mental wellness because I think something, I I think we've been conditioned to just take everything in stride. Mm -hmm. And when we are given a space to discuss our, our pains there, it's very sensationalized and, and people want to hear the, like the ghetto fabulous stories of like, my mom was on drugs or, you know, I was, I was sold off. Or I didn't have a dad. I'm like, no, we all, there's that. And that's very real. And it deserves a space to be discussed as well. But also there's women who are dealing with their, their fourth miscarriage mm-hmm. and there's people going through divorce and this, they're not handling it that well. You know, it's not, I think even when on uh, a discussion of divorce, we're like, Oh yeah, people get divorced. But like, no, that's actually pretty heavy. This is somebody you really at one point thought you'll be spending the rest of your life with, and you may have even grown a family with them. And now it's over. Um, and I wanted people to do some self, I wanted this, uh, this project to compel people to do some self-examination uh, or some self-evaluation, I should say, and get away from saying whether or not something is normal and ask themselves if it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And so the example I, I typically give, if I'm like, hey, who, who in the room can't stand their baby mama and you know everybody may make a bunch of noise okay who who think they they baby daddy ain't worth nothing and you make a bunch of noise or whatever i'm like okay that's not good though that's not healthy and it's very normal obviously the majority of the room applauded (laughs) but it's not healthy you've created you've created a person who you have to rear into hopefully a productive component of society and you can't get along with the person who's, you know, who's, who's co-parenting this. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think that does for the child? At one point, this child who's being, who's in this tug of war is going to be grown and not under your control. And then what you just say, well, Hey, (laughs) good luck out there. And so I don't want us to just carry on the things that are normal. I really want us to dissect whether things are healthy or not. And so I, I go through, um, a variety of topics um, from homelessness to the school to prison pipeline, um, um, divorce, miscarriage, cheating, all of these things um, to, to really humanize the black experience. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we're not just crack stories or, or whatever it is. Um, um, we, 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 we have layers and we're regular people, we're people and we go through regular things and we just need a space to process these emotions. And I really want to help people process these emotions. And so that's what I am not okay is. And hopefully people 
um, see themselves in some of these stories and feel feel welcome to to open up from there. That's really dope. I definitely love the concept. It's it's a little heavy, but sometimes you need that because being open and transparent, that's where you start to heal and that's where you start to have real right. Like I know for right. me, I had, my mom was sick a lot. She passed away when I was 16, but when she was sick and I was uh, at church with her one time and we were in the, in the foyer and, you know, they were asking her, Hey, how you doing? She just, Oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. I'm just like, but why are we saying that mama? Cause we not fine. Like, why are right, we exactly. She's like, you just don't tell people your business. I'm like, we got to tell somebody because they ain't going right. Like, so we got to, somebody needs to know. And she's just like, you know, I'm like, I hate fine. I I'm great. I'm I'm bad. I'm terrible. I'm making it, you know, but fine. It's like fine. It's too middle of the road for me. I gotta I gotta give you a real gauge of what's really going on. Okay. And so I definitely love, love that concept. Um, Rawana, ma'am, you are up. What what is your favorite project and what's something you're working on right now? Um, I kind of want to do what Bobby did and like say that what I'm currently working on is my favorite, (laughs) but, um, let me think. Obviously I love the magazine. Um, and it was one of the best like collaborative experiences I've ever had, like creatively, like working with photographers, designers, like poets, all kinds of different writers and like putting that together. Like that is just an experience. Um, it was an experience, especially doing it through the pandemic was kind of amazing. Like, I'm not sure exactly again, like I'm not sure how we accomplished that, but I'm really proud of that. Um, But I also love the project that I'm currently working on. Um, I'm working on my novel, which is called Departure Story. And it's about um, a young girl who immigrates from Guyana, which is where my family is from. And she comes to the U.S. and, you know, kind of has like a coming of age story confronting racism, sexism, all the isms on um, her predominantly white campus where she got a scholarship to go to school. Um, So, yeah, I'm passionate. Uh, One of my passions is definitely immigrant stories, um, the stories of immigrant women, Um, the country where my family comes from, Guyana, it has, um, statistically like some of the worst, like mental health, um, statistics in the world. So, um, for me, it's very important to bring light to that issue. Um, so immigrate, you came from Guyana. Oh no, I did. And I was born in Brooklyn. (laughs) But that, but you know, were you born here? Yeah, I have no accent. But so that's why um, it was also important to me because, like, you know, as an American-born person, like from a Caribbean family, sometimes I don't feel like Caribbean enough or Guyanese enough or whatever. Um, But I was really given the opportunity through this book to 
like explore life in Guyana growing like all the stories that I would hear growing up about like you know how things were I also like have gone to visit and so I have like some of my own experiences um but I think it's like a story that we don't really hear very often or at least not immigrant like black woman immigrant stories um I think we need to see more of those and um so I'm excited about sharing that with the world soon. Hmm. That definitely sounds dope. I'm ready to read everything, y'all. I'm a reader, so all y'all, especially the, the mommy blog, I'm gonna be. Let me let me see, cause this uh, one year old is she's something new. You know, they tell you all your kids are different. My my first child, she was the easy baby. Okay, she was down by a certain time, really really early. Like, she kind of caught that stride maybe six or seven months. I didn't have any issues with her sleeping much. She might fuss 10 to 15 minutes. That was it. And she was out. This one? <laughs> it took me a minute to break her. I had to break her. It took me a minute to break her because I was like, hold on. I got to let her cry a little bit because she every time I move, she want to cry. I'm like, no, you got to cry just a little bit. You'll figure it out. <laughs> if you ain't down by 930, you just going to cry until you go to sleep, babe. I'm going to check and make sure you're breathing. But that's about all I got. <laughs> like, we're not going to do this. You know, because she needs her rest. And I'm like, you can't be up ping-ponging with me. That's not going to work. Um, anywho, Bobby, oh, Bobby, you're back. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but we're pretty much done at this point because we're a little over on time. Um, but... Um, before we leave, before we let everything go, is there anything you guys want to give as a takeaway for any mom that's starting out in the writing industry or maybe struggling? Um, Rowan, I'll start with you. Uh, what's something, what's a tip or a takeaway? So you are enough. That's a great affirmation. I am enough. Uh, you're doing enough. Every step that you take, um, it's not a race. Um, you know, whatever you can do that day, whether it's writing something in your journal, whether it's, um, if you wrote something online, um, I would say start a blog. This is in this day and age, it's free, um, to start a blog and, you know, it could be just, just don't worry about what other people think. Just keep putting yourself out there. Um, cause that's what you're here to do. I feel like writers are storytellers. Um, and that's what you're here to do. So no fear. You are enough. Yes. Yep. Alea, what about you? Um, I would say couple things one don't work for free that's the one that keeps coming up in my head um you you're you you don't have time to work for free if you're a mom and you're starting any sort of side hustle side business anything especially a writing career your words are worth money mm -hmm. um and probably more than you think they are because the, the, in, the, the industry got money don't be afraid to ask for it um, and don't, don't, if eventually, like I, people will talk to you about writing for exposure, but eventually you just become the person that writes things for free. And that's not fair to you. Right. Um, and you, like I said, you don't have the time for it. So don't do it. Um, if you want to write for free, start your own blog, write the content for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're writing for somebody else, tell them to pay you. 
um, and not in product. Tell them to pay you an actual hard full cash because your landlord does not accept products or exposure. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the candles and shea butter. <laughs> right? Thank you for the candles and shea butter. Where is the money? <laughs> like, I accept PayPal, Memo, cash, like, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that that would be a big one. Um, and, uh, and I had something else, but, oh, the other thing is give, give yourself grace. Like this is, this is a season in life and it's when you're in it, it's hard to see that it is so temporary. And this is not a like, enjoy every moment. You don't have to enjoy every moment. Most of it sucks, but just like get, <laughs> get through it because even the, the best day and the worst day of your life is only 24 hours long. So if you can just go from moment to moment where you it will most of the time you will not feel like you're doing it and you will not feel like you're winning and you will not feel like you're crushing it but it's it's those little like it, it's those pinpricks of light that create the constellation that will eventually be the life that you led so please hey, like by all means hey, don't, yeah, right, hey. but, like, <laughs> like, do not do not you have something to say put it out there and just keep saying it and reach out for your don't reach out for your mom tribe don't like they don't have to be the people you would normally hang out with they don't have to be the people that you went to school with but calls like this are so important because it's the people that have kids that are the same age as yours or that have you know been through it and understand that will show you how to give yourself grace if you're comparing yourself to that person who you know never had kids and their house is always clean and they have like tons of help they're they're not your people never. go to the people who get that you are working you know in like these little spurts and trying to take care of yourself and your business and your family and and hold your dreams while you're like caring for everyone else. Those are the people that are going to show you how to do it. Yeah, you definitely need your tribe. You and, and it's for me. I'm I'm kind of in the middle ground. I have my old school tribe, and I got my new school tribe. And I'm like, you know, I call one for this, mm -hmm. and I call the other one. I got my turn up, <laughs> and I got my let's. That's let's right. Talk about health. So let's let's talk about it. Like these are two different crowds. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bobby G, what is your number one takeaway for moms that want to get started in the industry? Um, I would say first and foremost, uh, relax um, and really learn how to prioritize yourself and what you do. Don't let anyone discredit you. Don't let anyone talk you down from whatever it is that you're trying to do because the only way you succeed in this industry, and I really think in anything that you do, including motherhood, is perseverance. And so you're not out here to make things look a certain way for certain people, because as it turns out, not only can you not please everybody, you can hardly please anybody. And so you might as well shoot your shot for yourself, you know, and do what will put you at peace and what will make you happy. And so um, when you write also, you, I don't want to say write for you. I actually want to say, just right. I think that's one of the main questions I get. It's like, how, how, how do you end up with 400 pages or how do you end up with full scripts or whatever? I just write and I don't always feel like writing. And I used to try to stick to a certain word count a day. And I really had to free myself from being so rigid because especially as a mother, 
it doesn't always work out that way. And then now you, you know, you're laying in bed like, oh my God, I was 2,000 words short of my goal. And then the next day happens, there are another 2,000 words short. And so instead, just get something on paper. It's okay if you don't that day. Don't let too many days pass where you're not getting anything on paper, but really learn how to forgive yourself for whatever you think you came up short on and know that a day will come where you're not going to do anything but right. And it's going to be amazing. So whatever your thoughts are, don't worry about them being polished. Don't worry about them, you know, being the most poetic thing that anybody's ever read in their life. Like just put it down on paper. Trust that somebody, somebody will think this is dope and somebody needed to hear the message. So again, read through this. It's it's not a breeze, and that's kind of the fun part. It's exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs> Am I going to eat today? I don't know. Um, it's just all these sleep, wet, all these ups and downs. Just really be fluid with what you do. Really be flexible and be willing to take life as it comes and, and keep going regardless. Yay, I love it. I love it. Like, I loved all your tidbits. I'm definitely grateful for you ladies coming on. I want to thank you. And I want to thank you for thank anyone that's listening. Thank you for, you know, it's Friday night. I know it's time to go out. Time, well, you know what? It's COVID. Y'all not going to wear. Y'all sitting at home. Nowhere to be. Nowhere to be. <laughs> like I am. <laughs> but uh, I definitely want to thank you ladies for being open and being transparent. I have your information on, as far as the IG, and I'm going to post that again on my Instagram just in case people want to follow you and keep up with you. Um, other than that, thank you, uh, Rowana. Thank you, Alea. Thank you, Bobby G. I appreciate thank y'all. You. I definitely loved all my gems because we had some tonight. Um, other than that, happy Friday. Good night. Good night, Good night everyone.